It's Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. Chicago-based United and other airlines have struck a deal with the Treasury for federal coronavirus loans. I'm Amy Guth, and we'll talk in depth about that story and more coming up on this episode of Crane's Daily Gist. We're all navigating uncertain times. A big part of that includes concerns over financial security. At Chicago's bank, Wintrust is ready to help. Whether you're looking for refinance solutions, to take advantage of low rates and reduce payments, or a personal or business account that offers 15 times the standard FDIC insurance, they've got you covered. We're in this together. We'll get through it together. Find a location to call at Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Businesses looking for help in navigating the COVID-19 crisis should check out Small Business Lifeline, a new weekly podcast from Cranes. Every Thursday, the free Small Business Lifeline will offer expert advice and information on accessing needed resources during the crisis. Listen to Small Business Lifeline at chicagobusiness.com slash SBL. I'm Danny Ecker, and I cover commercial real estate at Cranes. I'm Stephanie Goldberg, and I cover healthcare at Cranes. My name is Steve Daniels, and I cover insurance, banking, and energy slash utilities for Crane Chicago business. What's changed most about my beat in the first half of the year, quite honestly, is everything. We're lucky we have a best seat in the house to everything that's going on in Chicago right now. Here at the midpoint of what's already been quite a year, I asked everyone in the Crane Chicago business newsroom two questions. First, what's changed most about the work you do in the first half of the year? And secondly, what will you be watching closest in the back half of the year? I divided their answers into parts one and two, so be sure to catch part one in yesterday's episode. Today, part two opens with Dennis Rodkin, who covers residential real estate for Cranes. I think the two biggest changes on my beat were, one, there was a real buildup toward a strong spring real estate market that then mostly got put on hold and was pushed back and is now showing up in the summer. And two, a lot of people who don't have outdoor space attached to their own living space started to think more seriously about what it's like to rely primarily on parks and other common areas when they were shut in at home and had essentially nowhere to go outside. And what we may see is a lot of sales where people have left apartments with no outdoor space or condos with no outdoor space into either a house or a condo that has a rooftop, a backyard, or something like that. My name is Sarah Zimmerman, and I am deputy web editor for Crane Chicago Business. I edit articles, I run the social media, but mostly I'm in charge of growing our digital audience. Like most news organizations, Crane saw an enormous surge in traffic at the beginning of the pandemic, just given the unprecedented nature of this crisis. It'll be interesting to see in the fall whether this continues, especially if there's a second wave. I'm John Plutz, and I cover airlines, tech, and weed for cranes. Air travel has been turned upside down by COVID, nearly coming to a stop in April. United, like other airlines, is hemorrhaging money. It's raised billions mortgaging everything from planes to its frequent flyer program to stay afloat until travel returns. CEO Scott Kirby says things won't be back to normal until there's a vaccine. In the second half of the year, I'll be watching to see how many jobs United, which is one of Chicago's biggest employers, and American will cut. United and other airlines that took federal bailout funds agreed not to cut any jobs until October 1, but they've all said they're going to have to shrink to reflect the drop in travel demand. The question is, how much? And it's been a year since Illinois decided to legalize recreational marijuana. 
Sales are strong as expected, but nothing has gone as planned. There have been just two dispensaries open in Chicago, and all the new licenses that would bring new people, especially entrepreneurs of color, into the industry as retailers, growers, transporters, or manufacturers are on hold. Two of the three big weed mergers involving Chicago companies that were in the works fell apart as stock prices in the industry cratered, and that was before COVID. What I'll be watching next, who wins the 75 dispensary licenses and 40 craft grow licenses, and whether supply catches up with demand. Tech has been an equally strange trip. The most interesting story is Grubhub, which got a boost from the COVID pandemic, unlike Groupon and GoGo. In the middle of it all, Matt Maloney was fielding competing buyout offers. He left Uber at the curb and decided to sell to a European company, Just Eat Takeaway. Shareholders won't vote on the deal until early next year. I'll also be watching to see if Go Health manages to complete its IPO. It's another Chicago tech company that's bucking the COVID trend. Go Health operates an online market for insurance, and its big product is supplemental coverage for Medicare. COVID doesn't keep boomers from hitting retirement age. Oh, and as an added bonus, Rahm Emanuel is a board member. So stay tuned for what's sure to be an interesting second half of the year. My name is Lynn Merrick. I'm a senior reporter at Crane's Chicago Business, and I cover the financial industry as well as higher education. For the financial industry, of course, the most dramatic impact from COVID-19 was the plunge in the stock market that happened in late March that reverberated across all the financial markets from bonds, futures to options. And across the different types of companies I cover, you had a variety of experiences. For instance, trading firms suddenly had all kinds of opportunities because that kind of plunge creates volatility in the markets and volatility creates price discrepancies. So there was actually some opportunity for profits as markets were swinging. Of course, investment firms don't like a plunge in stocks or any other kind of asset that they own because that immediately forces them to consider reduced returns for their clients. So looking forward, everybody's going to be asking the question, will we have a double dip here? Markets have largely recovered, but as second and third quarter company reports come in with respect to profits or losses, we're going to start to get a better view of how deep the impact of the COVID crisis is on the economy. And you could certainly have a double dip. When it comes to higher education, there was also a profound impact. You had universities sending students home in the spring, which was unheard of. The difficult part for the universities, of course, was that they had to refund housing and other fees, which immediately bit into revenue that they had been counting on. At the same time that they had increased costs to fight this virus and keep their students safe and increased technology systems to send all that instruction to online virtual platforms. So many schools, including elite universities like Northwestern and the University of Chicago, are grappling with deficits now, like over $100 million in deficits in some cases. The University of Illinois and other public universities also asking Congress for aid because they're facing some of the same hardships. So spinning forward here, the big question is, as they invite students back this fall, and most universities have, will they get the same number of students that they're expecting to help shore up those costs? And 
Will students and their families think that they're getting the value that they expect from paying these tuitions, which have increased, as we all know, quite a bit over the past couple decades? You're already starting to see some students and parents balking at paying the same tuition because universities are not committing to having in-person instruction. Some professors are reluctant to get in these classrooms with students they consider potential super spreaders of the virus. So it's a real question as to what happens this fall, even though it's a couple months away. That was part two of my question to members of the Cranes newsroom about how their work has changed in the first half of the year and what they'll be watching most in the second half. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. Top stories are next. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is affecting businesses and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirusupdate, all one word. The paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we do encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you get cranes in print at the office and you're missing it while you're working from home, you can access the electronic edition anytime at chicagobusiness.com slash digital edition. Again, that's chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update for the free newsletter and slash digital edition so you don't miss a thing from the print edition while you're working from home. Late last week, the U.S. Department of the Treasury announced that American, Frontier, Hawaiian, SkyWest, and Spirit Airlines had all signed letters of intent setting out the terms under which the Treasury would extend loans under the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act. And now five more airlines have reached agreements with the Treasury for billions in federal loans to help them also weather the coronavirus pandemic. Delta, United, JetBlue, Southwest and Alaska have signed letters of intent for the terms of the loans. And this comes as airlines are struggling with spikes in COVID cases around the country, as well as continued travel restrictions that limit demand for international flights. The Treasury Department didn't disclose the terms or amounts of each potential loan, and just because they have an agreement in place doesn't necessarily mean that the carriers will tap into them. Delta, back in April, said it's eligible for a $4.6 billion loan, while in May, United said that it could access $4.5 billion. Airlines have also started seeing $25 billion in federal payroll grants that prohibit them from laying off or cutting the pay for their workers through the end of September. However, airlines have also warned that employees may start receiving legally required advanced notices about potential furloughs as early as this month. A former president of the Williams-Sonoma brand has been tapped as the new CEO of Crate & Barrel. Janet Hayes joins the retailer next month following Neela Montgomery, who the company said last week was leaving to pursue new opportunities. Hayes has also worked as president of Williams-Sonoma's Pottery Barn Kids and Pottery Barn Teen brands, as well as for Nike and Gap. Germany's Auto Group has owned Crate and Barrel since 1998, and a member of the Auto Group's executive board and chairman of the supervisory board of Crate and Barrel said in a statement that Hayes not only comes with a great understanding of the U.S. customer in the home category with deep product knowledge and a passion for the shopping experience, but that she's also a thoughtful and inspiring leader. And speaking of companies getting new CEOs, a former executive with United Health Group is now the new CEO of DePage Medical Group, which is the biggest independent doctor's practice in Illinois. DePage Medical Group said in a statement that Steve Nelson, who started yesterday at the company, 
has more than 30 years of experience in healthcare and was formerly CEO of the United Healthcare Division of United Health Group. Nelson has also worked for Henry Ford Health System and Intermountain Healthcare, according to DMG. The company's chairman said in a statement that Nelson's track record of creating world-class performance by building culture and focusing on mission and purpose aligns well with the mission of DMG. The company has over 750 doctors in more than 100 locations in suburban Chicago. Boeing's top spokesperson, Neil Golightly, resigned after an employee complaint over an article he wrote in 1987 that questioned whether or not women should serve in combat. In a statement released by Boeing, Golightly said, My article was a 29-year-old Cold War Navy pilot's misguided contribution to a debate that was live at the time, continuing by saying, My argument was embarrassingly wrong and offensive. Golightly's departure after only six months at Boeing stirs new turmoil at a company reeling from the COVID-19 pandemic and the now more than year-long grounding of its best-selling 737 MAX after two deadly crashes. Boeing had looked to Golightly to bring a steady hand as senior VP of communications, praising his commitment to safety, quality, and integrity when he was first appointed. Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun indicated in the statement that he and Golightly discussed at length the article and its implications for his role as the company's lead spokesperson and said, I greatly respect Neil for stepping down in the interest of the company. In a letter to colleagues, Golightly said the 1987 article made an argument questioning the wisdom of sending women into combat, adding that it made for, quote, painful reading. Continuing by explaining that the dialogue that followed the article 33 years ago opened his eyes and shaped principles of fairness, inclusion, respect, and diversity that he says have guided his professional life ever since. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks to everyone in the Crane's Chicago Business Newsroom for sharing insights about their work today. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio on demand. And find Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.